0: Hey everybody and welcome back to the stream One more time we are back on Carside Chat And today we're talking about the legendary Countach And where it's gone from here Crazy stuff for the anniversary We'll be right back Hey, everybody, and welcome back. This is your host, Primo, and i say I forgot my logo thing again, man. I just stink at this. That was it right there, big old Primo, so make sure you follow me. Uh, I have Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, all sorts of fun stuff. You can follow me there. Uh, the great news is that now we're not just here we're actually now on uh, Spotify, we're on uh, Google uh, Podcast, we're on, uh, what else? I don't know, we're on a ton of stuff right now. Uh, Apple, Asus, Apple, I don't know, you guys are better than this. Apple, Spotify, Google, that's the big ones, right? I don't know, whatever it is. I'm on all of those. So, <laughs> I'm really excited about that, to have this new kind of platform to say our voice. And we, you can see things have changed here. I got a lot of stuff that I really need to work on to make this whole rig work right. And I'm telling you, you guys with the live streaming stuff, the guys, you guys are good at it. I am really uh, impressed with your ability. It's something that I just, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to get to it. So I, I see all this stuff and I just want to buy the, you know, the $20,000 thing where I press the button and I do it. It's real easy, blah, blah, blah. But I end up with kind of a system where I'm like kind of fighting myself out. And I have, see, I do more, soundboard stuff and i do stuff where i want to make you know phone calls and have people on meetings and stuff like that which i do want to have down the road we're gonna have zoom meetings i just really need to figure out how this system works so we can get it we might just do it in pieces i, I don't know we'll see how that comes about but that's really not the the story for today the story for today is the kuntosh uh i don't know have you guys i have it's what got me into the car scene? A lot of people I've said this about. Obviously, my my grandfather and my family got me into it at the very beginning. Uh, there was always this big Ford versus Chevy fight uh, that was in us. I'm, I'm actually from um, the Martinsville, Virginia area. So Martinsville is NASCAR country, and you're always going to get that fight. It's always the Ford versus Chevy. But we went to see... Um, Smokey and the Bandit, and that was the one where I kind of fell in love with the Trans Am. For most of my life, I've really owned kind of the Trans Am thing, but when I moved uh, to Massachusetts in about, I want to say, I think it was 87, a little bit before that, but I remember it really kind of sparking it in 87, was I moved up here, and I opened up a magazine, and there was this Countach, and that thing was just, it kind of hit something. It was like the spark plug that, you know, fired the ignition. And all of a sudden it was like, you know, I, I feel like I could be a car guy. And that's why I've owned the 944. That's why I loved the, you know, all these different cars. And I remember we went and had a kuntosh priced out at the time. I, it was, like I said, it was 87. I think we priced it out. It was around $150,000. Uh, it was, it was $2,000 down and my insurance would have, it would be, be two thousand dollars a month for my insurance, and then it would be two thousand dollars a month for the payment for it. So I kind of said, you know, I don't think I'm kind of ready for that right now. Uh, but I ended up buying an eighty two Trans Am at the time, and that was the car that I actually got my license with in the middle of a snowstorm. So I remember driving, and they were going to. They said, we're going to do all these tests with you and, and do this stuff. And then the guy in the car in front of me crashed, and this car that was supposed to be really bad in the the ice. Uh, the guy in front of me crashed, and I just drove around him. I was like, "Yeah, no big deal." Uh, and he was like, "You know what? We're just turning around right now and going back because I think it was more of a safety issue." But the idea that I didn't crash, you know, we were all thinking we were going to reschedule. Nope. he goes, "You know what? You you did you made it that far." I, you know, he didn't say anything like he didn't hype you up or say, "You know, I'm impressed with you driving" or anything. But you could tell that he was just kind of like, "Here's the stamp. Tew, tew. Um, you can now drive a car." So. <clears throat> That was my history from there, and it really just kind of bled from there. I, I just continued to have this love for the Countach. Uh, I kind of got out of cars for a long time, uh, but I was still kind of driving and being into doing car shows and car meets and that kind of thing. But what most of you guys probably do is kind of the hit, the hit. Pieces where it's like I'm just gonna do what I can do at the time, but then I got to, when it came back to the 2000s, then I finally got I was my new marriage, everything with my life was actually finally going right, and uh, and I was getting back into cars. I went into car sales, cars repair, uh, and then after that, I went back to uh, this kind of thing about you know where do I go from here? And one of the local companies picked up the Lamborghini brand. I was friends with some guys that worked with Lamborghini. Uh, from the corporate level. And I said, Hey, uh, I heard these guys are picking this thing up. And they said, yeah, this is when we're signing the paperwork. This is when everything's going to go down. So I emailed the owner of the company. He forwarded my information down. And in December 2nd of 2009, I was suddenly selling Lamborghinis. And once you're in the family, you're in the family. And that's how it went from there. So that was the thing is, is if you're in that passion for that kind of brand, and I'm sure you guys, you don't have to be Lamborghini. You don't have to be whatever thing you have a passion for, if it really drives you forward. I remember telling people before I got the job that I already had it that I was getting the job. Uh, and it was weird because I stayed with that for a long time until it was like, you know, we, we have opened a couple of other businesses. And the thing I learned, and I hate to say it like this because I really wanted to stick with the brand for a long time. But you learn that if you work selling a car, that there's a good chance you're not going to buy a car, so I had to go and do some other stuff. And then, I that, I always say this is that these cars are the not the goal. The cars are the reward for people who have goals. So here's my thing: have a goal, set yourself a standard, and then move forward from there, and you'll find yourself in a much better position. Right now, I'm I, I I'm not am I where I need to be? No, but I'm on a pace right now that sooner or later down the road I will be able to afford. Uh, my lamborghini i'll be able to buy the car that i want to and it's very exciting to be able to move from you know buying a car by I, like i bought my last car with cash it was really cool to be able to drive away and i still have that same car today and then with the uh, 944 turbo that's i don't know that might be going away real soon i might be having something to replace that i don't want to give anything away but uh but yeah we're gonna keep through this today so we're gonna cut into a commercial real quick And then when we come back, we're going to go over all this history, some real key stuff here about the Lamborghini and see what you guys think. We'll be right back in about a minute. All right. For you on the uh, podcast side of things, uh, you, you probably just heard some music there. That was the Motorized Coffee Company. We just got a special code that's specific for us. Uh, EAS10, I think is the, the code. Watch me get it wrong. You guys get it right. If it doesn't work, no big deal. Just tell them I sent you. Uh, but yeah, EAS10 and it is Motorized Coffee Company. They've made some great coffee. We're going to show some of that later. I, I got to have some point where I bring this stuff into the little area here and start showing it off to you guys because I'm like, I'm drinking the coffee. I get so busy building the stuff and putting these things together that it's like, you know, you forget about it. But but yeah, so like I said, Inter, um, Motorized Coffee, yes, check those, those brands out. It's always good. You can get on their subscription package. They always support the local community have car shows and they're usually at them so good deal all right so recently and the thing is like I said many of these people you guys everybody got onto the Countach I'm sure you opened your first magazine you pulled up that Countach and you said man this is the car I, I want to drive it I want to own it uh, but for most people these cars ended up on you know your wall you ended up being a um, you know a thing But recently, Lamborghini, the Countach, is on its 50th anniversary. Uh, And to do that, uh, Lamborghini's Polo Polo Storico, they just spent 25,000 hours on this vehicle you're seeing here, rebuilding the, that's the first prototype from the 1971 Countach LP500. And it's just as it was unveiled in the 1971 Geneva Motor Show. Uh, The original car was crash tested. Uh, but the buyer Albert and Rita Spice wanted the original. So the team over at, uh, the team over there uh, used manuals the referenced pictures. And if they couldn't get a part, they fabricated it. Even uh, the paint itself, which is the original uh, Giallo Fly Special. Uh, the value of this car is expected to be in the millions. But to some, this would be considered a priceless vehicle so i want to hear would you guys this is the thing for it this is very exciting to hear this i'm hoping that this comes out right we tested it and it seemed to be working but if it didn't no big deal this is what the car sounds like i hope that's got volume to it that is so disgusting That's a that's a just the specific the sound. That was the three point nine liter, I believe. Um actually, you know what with the concept that was the five liter. So that one was actually making I think a lot more power. Um I you know it's something that we should probably follow up on and see if there's something like what that vehicle had uh if it had because the car that went into the, the engine that went into the concept car was supposed to be something that left the mirror in the dust and then when it went to the new car it ended up being a smaller engine we'll go into that here uh, and it ended up not being as powerful as a mirror which was unfortunate but uh but it ended up still being a great car so what we're going to go through some of the evolutions here so uh but why is this car considered so special Why why do people celebrate this thing for this vehicle many of you today may may have forgotten this but there's a reason that this is possibly the most celebrated vehicle in history and this it started 50 years ago it was unveiled at the 1971 geneva motor Show it was manufactured between 1974 and 1990 uh, overseen overseen by the chief designer paolo stanzani under the project name lp 112. Uh, you need to remember this. This was coming off the Mira. This was the first car to bear the title supercar. So this needed to be special. It needed to be a mid-engine, rear-wheel drive, and also address some of the design flaws that the Mira that had. That 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 really was because the Mira was something they kind of designed in the basement. A couple of guys, uh, Ferruccio, did not want a race car in his team. He didn't like it because that's what kind of ruined his life when it came to. Um, when he bought his Ferrari, the, the problem was, is he thought the Ferrari was specifically uh, focusing on racing and not on the car itself and the drivers. And that's why he thinks that, you know what I mean, it, it just kind of ruined the whole thing for him. So that's the thing is once the mirror had success, though, he, he kind of had to get on board. So he really kind of championed the Countach and said, "Okay, now we're jumping in with both feet." And there, that was the idea. The Countach was going to fix some of the the problems that the mirror had. And the what came out was it was an iconic design. It was from House Bertone. Uh, he, that was headed by Marcello Gandini, uh, Italian wedge shape that was would be known as uh, was first introduced in the 1970 Lancia Stratus Zero. But the Countach would get the attention it deserved, unlike like the Stratus, uh, but m- many argue where the name came from when it came to Kuntash, which I think was kind of interesting. Uh, typically, Lamborghini drew its name from bullfighting, but the Kuntash was different. Many had described it as the word bat. There's a lot of different things that people thought about. But Gandini in one of his, I believe he wrote a book about it, but one of the things that he wrote about was as it came from an exclamation uh, from a fellow worker that did not speak Italian. Uh, when he was surprised every time he would he would get you know excited about something, he'd be like, "Ah, Countach!" So, uh, Gandini looked over and said jokingly, "You know, maybe we should just call the car Countach because the guy's saying it all the time." Uh, and it was kind of a joke. Nobody took that really seriously. But then later, uh, they had Bob Wallace repeat the term, and he had a specific accent. And when he came, when he said the word kutosh and it came out the way it did, it sounded very unique, and it kind of just settled in. So that was their deal. Uh, so this is... The car at the time was... I'm going to say controversial. A lot of people say controversial. I'm not going to say controversial, but it was more of the idea that it was so cutting edge. that I think a lot of people kind of looked at this and went, what's up? And that was because of the wedge design. It was It was interesting. It was most notable for the unique scissor door configuration, and that would follow the flagship vehicles of Lamborghini's shirt through its life. Even today, the Aventador uh, has those uh, specific scissor door features that everybody did. Now a lot of people will say the scissor doors are designed because uh the test driver Valentino Balboni, great guy by the way, tell guy could talk about uh, rust peeling and you'd listen to them all day but <laughs> uh, valentino supposedly when he backed up he couldn't see and they they said that they installed the city door that was not the case from my research or from the stuff that i know i never asked him specifically but i should have uh, but that's the thing is is there there was other features that were put into the kuntosh because of the limited rear visibility in it to allow people like a uh, like a periscope setup that was allowing people to look out the back But having driven the cars myself, I can tell you right out of the bat, the easiest way to get out of the car and to back up in it is to literally, you lean out, you push up the scissor door. The scissor door made it easy to do this, was the door would come up, you would lean over, trust me, you can reach the pedals from here. You put your foot with the clutch in the gas and you just kind of throttle through the two and then you can just slowly back up that way. Uh, and it, it sounds really weird because you're sitting on the door sill looking out of the back of the car, but it's so low slung that it really is, you know, you, you're you not that far from the pedals that you you think you're just over there and you just, hey, I'm going to look out the back and do this. It sounds really weird. And the first time you do it, you will feel like, oh, what am I, this is not right. But uh, yeah, once you do it, you're like, yeah, this is easy. they can do this all the time. And, and it becomes kind of your, your thing. Um, so yeah, so the engine... Uh, was an advanced version. Remember the V12 engine that came from the Mura? Uh It was used in pretty much any of the V12s back then for Lamborghini. It had gone through its entire stream all the way until the Aventador. The Aventador didn't use it. The Mercy Lago was the last. The 670 SV, I believe, was the last production vehicle to actually have uh, the motor in it. Uh, But it was an advanced version of the Mura's V12 engine, and that started with a three-point, remember the concept car I think was a five, and then it moved over to a 3.9 liter, but it finally ended with a 5.2 liter, which all these are made to a five-speed transmission, Um, and it's funny to think that the first car only made about 370 horsepower through its lifestyle, so kind of a big deal um the anniversary i'm sorry just i gotta get my notes here because this is big and a lot of stuff i kind of like make sure i don't forget stuff uh but the anniversary car was the 5.2 liter and that would finally make 455 horsepower i just think that's crazy think about that today like 400 horsepower to most people right now i kind of laugh at that and just be like that's it like that's, that's all the taller car yep that's it that's all it made 455 horsepower man But over its run from 1974 to 1990, it sold 1,983 cars. We kind of estimate today is probably 1,500 still in existence. Uh, Obviously, vehicles like this, new people are going to crash them. They're going to have problems with them. Uh, A lot of people like to restore them so that, you know the idea of i mean you guys have seen salvage cars they get their stuff they build them back up and they put them out there so and the beauty of was the car was made to be a stronger car so they were kind of they weren't i want to say they were easy to restore but they weren't the worst to restore and a lot of people would use them it's not like i'm going to buy one and have like a parts car so uh that yeah that didn't happen but uh but yeah so the original price for the 1974 car was $72,200. Uh, and by 1989, the 25th anniversary car sold for $145,000. Obviously, you know, we're just talking about the $150,000 for the one that I got marked up in, I want to say 87. dollars That's general markup. Most of the companies out there that sold these cars, it took money to import them. We'll get into that in a second. But today, that same car would sell for $400,000. So, and I think the going rate right now is around $300,000. For most of the Countaches you're going to see, Uh, but crazy enough, the Countach was not designed uh, to sell to its largest market, which was the United States. U.S. buyers wanted them; they went to great lengths to purchase them and import them. Uh, And since they didn't have bumpers, uh, they needed to be added, meaning the U.S. Countach usually had a unique look to them. If you have a chance, look it up. There's there's so many different ways that people put these bumpers on and they're hilarious. Uh, but yeah, very cool. Many would just remove the bumpers once they were approved, so they went right back to where they originally looked. That thing is, the original Kuntash didn't have a bumper. That was something that people kind of got a little weirded out on. Uh, but it wouldn't be until 1985 that the 5000QV model had a US spec version. And today, with the vehicle being 25 years or older, they don't need to spec anymore. You can just import them, uh, which represented once they got to the 24-year mark, they did have a big influx of Countaches. They were huge for collectors as well, but... And we were talking about 1,500 cars, so how many could that be, right, you know? Uh, but the Lamborghini became a household name in the U.S. and began to really permeate magazines in around the 1980s. And suddenly it was making common appearances on posters, uh, the no- notorious Trapper Keepers, such as I had. Uh, and then it made a big showing on Cannonball Run, the movie. And it was, it, the design... That design for the Cannonball Run is the one that most people know today. Uh funny enough, the Cannonball Run car just made a display in Washington, D.C. out front of the Capitol building, which I thought was really crazy. And it, it just shows how much of a love affair the U.S. has had with the Kountosh model. Uh and it's been a fun one. So we're just happy to be, you know, kind of a leading edge on that. I wish we could have more than just the 50, you know, like basically 2,000 cars. I'd like to have a lot more than that, but you know, it is what it is. Obviously, people made kit cars. They made copies of them. Uh, various successes. A lot of the kit cars out there, they really look good in pictures, but they don't look good when you go up to them in real life. They're based on Fierro chassis. And then later on, Lamborghini really buckled down on that uh, and uh, basically started lawsuits against people that were trying to copy it. Funny enough, they did do a video with a father-son team that they built a Lamborghini in their basement put the car together and uh he shared it with this kid uh at which point lamborghini actually bought them a real lamborghini and uh you know let them drive around that i I don't know if they kept it or if they just let them drive it i don't know the whole full story for that but it was very fun to hear and it's it's on lamborghini's youtube page you should check it out uh but yeah unfortunately the countash had to come to an end so in 1990 the Kuntash made its final car although it would never roll off the assembly line the um Although it would never was it the legacy was part of the history of influence of future cars. Yeah, so basically, um, although it would never roll off the assembly line again, the legacy of the car became part of history, um, and it get, would influence future cars down the road. In in short, nobody forgot this car. It, it today, even today, I, I don't remember ever time we didn't think about the Countach or think about how cool it was. Uh, I believe it made its um, it was the fastest production vehicle. I want to say it was 87, 88, somewhere in there. Um, things that you forget to do the research now that you're you're on the show, right? Uh, but, yeah, so we ended up uh, looking into that. They, tons of times that it was it was the fastest car. It really was kind of a weird car up over certain speeds, though. So ask people that own them. I've never really taken up to any kind of you know massive speed with them. I don't, I don't remember how fast I've ever taken a Lamborghini. Uh, but yeah, those, those guys will tell you they're, they're very involved cars, and you need to pay attention to them. It's, it's an actively driven car, so you want to make sure that you're paying attention when you're driving it. Um, so yeah, today, uh, the access to the vehicles through social media, it, it really did blow the car up and even more. So uh, Lamborghini started find, finding renewed success uh, moving into the 2000, uh, bringing out the Gallardo and the Murcielago and a lot of other cars. Now with the SUVs and stuff. They were big, and the retro craze obviously came into full swing. They made a retro Mura, um, so that was something that they, you know, commonly see re- redesigns of these retro vehicles from fans, uh, and especially on pictures, they just take the Countach and you know remake it. Uh, but Lamborghini stated when they did the Mura that they did not plan to jump on the retro craze. They they said Lamborghini was all about the future, and they didn't go back in the past. But hey, that kind of changed when it came to 2021 when Lamborghini was throwing out their new hybrid program platform. They uh they had the Cyan. Which was kind of the 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 lead up to it, and now you know now hybrids and electrics are they're kind of forcing their their hand on this. So they introduced the LPI eight hundred four, and uh, that would reintroduce the Countach nine plate. And they had a whole new design for it. Like I said, we'll we'll look at the the evolution here real quick, and I'll do this again so you can guys kind of see where it was going. But this reintroduced the Countach nine plate, the limited edition run. Uh, I think it was like 130 cars that they were going to be able to build, and each car was going to sell for 2.6 million dollars. So that's the thing is, I got to show you there. It looks like the Countach history isn't going to die anytime soon. It will live on in clubs, enthusiasts, people who know its roots, uh, and it'll constantly be something that's part of our supercar world uh, from here on in. I, I just think it's just it's one of those things that you're not going to be able to dodge. It really did. It's hard for me to really explain that people today, especially younger kids, and it, it kind of upsets me that like you guys don't know this history, that you don't have the ability or access to it, that it really just like it hurts my head that uh, you, you, there was a world when the '60s and '70s and there was nothing wedge shaped You had kind of the Ferrari set up. Make when I was young, the thing for me was it was either Ferrari. Lamborghini or Porsche; those were the two things. Ferrari had made the most amount of cars, and by the eighty sevens, they had made the Testarossas. But they were producing a lot of cars, and that really hurt the ownership of or the values of the Testarossas uh, at the time because they were kind of overproduced. They changed that when they move over uh, to the five twelve, uh, thankfully. But that was the thing is, is there, was still, there wasn't many cars. It wasn't until after the success of the Countach that we started to see cars really jump on board with it, like the McLaren F1 that would dominate uh, lane speed records for over a decade, uh, the Acura NSX. Then we started seeing brands that were jumping on MR2 try to do the platform. Uh, so now we're seeing cars that were you know, becoming faster and faster, and they had this platform that worked really well. And it really forced companies like Ferrari to build up, to make something that was more consumable by the public. So now you have Ferrari jumping on, but we're doing their 355, which was I a mean, 348. It is what it is, but 355 really kind of changed everything for them because now they, I mean, you can't, can't you get an SX over here that's making, that's half the price. You got the Corvette that's doing its thing. So you got to make something fast and it's gotta be drivable. And then that really opened up the door for them for the 360. And over that entire term, the Diablo was just the car that just sat with us for the longest time. And it really, the now that things were becoming more, it was easier to make videos. And we were we were making videos, putting them on VHS or whatever, re- recording stuff and putting it out there. People had access to this. And we wanted to have access to be able to see these cars. We wanted to be able to see them in person. And that was the thing is the Unicorn was still always the Countach. So, yeah, now today we see... Uh, Pagani which was uh, uh, Horatio which who was also involved in the kuntosh so Pagani uh, Pagani's zonda uh, Kona seg these all these brands have in some respects some little processes they can say thank you to the kuntosh for bringing them about and making them what they are today and I think and that's the thing is, is these guys were looking at these pictures on their walls as kids they continue to learn imagine i think of about how many millionaires out there were created because somebody looked over and said at some point this is the car i'm going to own i don't think that they always stuck with that i think there came a point when like for me it wasn't just the lamborghini it became this love affair with other cars so that's why i ended up with you know the porsche and that's the thing for I kinda got the bug for a little bit there. So I was into three sixties and that they became very drivable cars now. I mean, so the thing is is these cars like the Bugatti back in the eighties, if you had a car like that, it was go back and look at an F forty. That F forty is probably a big I mean, that is just it's got a rope for a door. It has no radio. It's all metal. It's like a very unfriendly car. And that was the car that was competing against the Lamborghini, which, I mean, they were saying it's a driver-friendly car. And I really, like, I with driving the Diablo, Diablo is unfriendly, but it's still, I can still drive it. You know, I can take it long range. The Murcielago, for me, was really the first car that I really felt like I could go and just drive and drive and drive. So... Yeah, that was a fun car to do, but that's the thing is, is I we're I'm gonna come to the end today. We like to do this show. I'm gonna I want to get this show up to an hour. Ah, oh, it kills me, but uh, but yeah. So that was that's the story for the Countach. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, it was really fun to make. Um, we're gonna continue to bring you more stuff. Uh, we're gonna look into some other tactics topics. Uh, what, what I want to do down the road here is get some guests that can come on and really take this to the next level. We do have guests. We do have stuff that we do on our main YouTube channel here. Uh, and uh, that's the thing is, is we want to have more of that. So check out some of these. If you if you aren't here, check out some of our other videos. If you're on podcasts, check out some of uh, the other stuff. We're going to continue to bring you uh, some new sounds, some new discussion. Whatever we got to do, we're going to cover some car shows. So like I said, if you haven't had a chance to, Hit a bell, like, subscribe, whatever you got to do, do it. Get on here, and we're going to continue to throw some stuff your way. We hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, And, uh, yeah, you guys have a great day. We'll talk to you then.